You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Sharing Socks, the first 2021 regular season edition. We are recording this on Wednesday before the afternoon game out uh, in Seattle. So uh, we're doing it on a winning streak. Uh, and we are going to see what happens. I'm Lee Allen, the duty geezer at Southside Socks, and I am wearing a brief moment of silence here. All right. You can see the Abreu shirt. You realize Jose is now on a pace for 64 grand slams this year. I which, don't, I don't anticipate I th- that. I don't anticipate that lightening up at all. I think we are. I, I think that'll be it. And I think that sets the record by 59, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so, so it's having a good year right there. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will, who had the misfortune of paying the big bucks to see Sunday night's game in Anaheim. Between two little league teams, it had been scheduled between major league teams, but something happened. Well, uh, a lot of things happened during that game, none of which were good for the White Sox. Uh, well, that's not true. No, the four the, the four first, runs that were handed. The White Sox were so bad that the Angels were like, "Come on, let's just give them a few," and they did. And uh, unfortunately, I was there with fellow Southside Sox guy, Bill Mankey, and um, I got to say, we called that walk-off. <laughs> we <laughs> had a feeling that that was going to happen. Um, yeah, it was it was just disgusting. What a terrible game. Terrible, terrible game. I will say... The Sox defensively were okay, but one for 19 with runners on base that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely abysmal, and 
there was almost nothing to enjoy about that game altogether outside. Frankly, the only thing to enjoy, I think, had nothing to do with the Sox. It had to do with Otani for the first time in his career playing both ways. Yeah. In the and same that, game. That, and seeing him do it really well. Um, he, he pitched really well and he hit very well. I mean, that home run he hit was wow. Wow. Just absolutely cracked. And, and it's understandable you don't hit off Otani, even though he got completely gassed at the end and you should have been able to hit him, but not hit on what's got to be one of the worst bullpens in baseball. <laughs> they made Sishek, who I... Yeah, I mean, I'm to bring up the great Steve Sishek. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Sishek, I was telling Bill this, is the guy I bring in to pitch in video games when I'm up or down by 10 to 15. So, like, I don't even like pitching him in a fake world. And yet they brought him in against the White Sox, who should know everything about how to slug the crap out of this guy. Yes, they should have a pretty good idea because everybody else slugged the crap out of him when he was with the Sox. Yeah, it was, you know, it was one of those games where, you know, Bill and I mourned all the way home from Anaheim, cursing uh, Orange County and saying, we'll never return. <laughs> it was actually a, it was a very nice night to watch game that shout out to the angels stadium staff which is probably the nicest stadium staff i've ever encountered just lovely lovely environment angels fans i hate to say not the most exciting people in the world but on the plus side i think it was about 30 to 40 percent Sox fans in the stadium which was really really cool it was really cool to see that many Sox fans outside of Chicago. I don't think I've really experienced that, especially this far away and in Anaheim, which, you know, despite having a team that's been around for 60 years, it seems like no one cares that there's a well, particularly with, with Disneyland closed. Yeah, right. Um, and uh yeah, it was it was a cool place, but you know, I I don't think I'll ever go to another game there that doesn't feature the White Sox. It's a long trip for you anyway. So, yeah. So we'll get to the team. They they I had kind of in my mind had them as a four three road trip, splitting the games in Los Angeles and taking two out of three in Seattle. I now think they can sweep Seattle. Seattle's playing without their one good offensive player. The service time they're theoretical phenom prospect, they got nothing. They pitched two left-handed. They're in a six-man rotation. So, again, we're doing this before Wednesday's game. We're going to be facing the number six starter, (laughs) Seattle Mariners. Now, he's a right-hander. And, of course, we never lose to left-handers. We brag about that all the time, all right? How many consecutive games have we beaten left-handers? Is it 18 now? 17 or 18? It's 19. Is it? Uh, no, never right. the record is 19. Okay, so we're at 18. The are at 17 or 18. 17. Yeah. So we mentioned that constantly, constantly bring that up. Fans do, but more importantly, the theoretical professionals do, the, the announcers and the, the reporters that, that cover the Sox. What they never mentioned, I never heard Stoney or, or Jason mention or read a professional writer say, we've lost 12 in a row to right-handed pitchers. Yeah. Bizarrely, the last right-handed pitcher we've beaten was Trevor Bauer. 
that. Oh, okay. Well, but, that's a cool thing to be able to say. <laughs> yeah, but that was largely because the Reds didn't bother to score a run that day, uh, which was fairly common for them. But so this thing, we can break the thing with right-handers, and probably by the time anybody is watching or listening to this, by it's even been posted, we'll have done that, we hope. I hope so. Crazy. I mean, Right now, we got one guy who can hit right-handed pitching. He's right behind me here. His name is Yermin Mercedes. Uh, <laughs> he could hit if they were thrown with both hands. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on there. I I hate to be negative, but I look forward to all the Yermin Mercedes jerseys I'm going to find in Goodwill at some point in the next year <laughs> uh, or at Salvation Army. This can't, can't continue. Uh, there, there was a post game where I think it was just one of the little inserts on the post game crew where Ozzy was holding a basketball and he said, "This is what that looks like to your mean right now." And that was basically it. I mean, that, uh, is, so, that uh, have you seen a guy bat with more confidence in pro baseball? And no, the, particularly a guy who's been in the majors and won at bat prior to the part of the past week. Uh, yeah, he just walks up there with the. Okay, throw me what you like. I got it. Now, I think eventually they're going to figure out something. There's a weakness somewhere because everybody has a weakness and pitchers will figure it out. And he, although, I mean, yesterday he had a really bad Tuesday night, one for five. He's down to 565. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I'm thankful for because up until that point, Bill and I had attended the only bad Yerman Mercedes outing <laughs> of 2021. And I was very disappointed in, about that. But last night he also went one for five. So, you know, he is human. You know, I bet, now, now, we all know that, that he's been the best hitter on the Sox, best hitters in the majors by far. It's not close. You know who the number two batting average is in the Sox? Don't, don't peak at any deaths. On the White Sox? Yeah. Collins. Billy Hamilton. Okay. Well, that's an interesting thing because Billy Hamilton started the game that we went to and started in left field. And was the only guy who looked like he knew how to hit right-handed pitching in the game that we attended. Billy Hamilton looked good at the plate. He he was confident. Um, his exit velos were not crazy, but they were way higher than Billy Hamilton usually hits. And, and well, and he he hit smart. And the the two hits in a row, I whoever was hitting behind him, they both just took the outside pitch and just swatted it to left field. Yeah, it, yeah, it uh, it must have been, yeah. Eaton probably was the next one. Just just took it, took the outside one. The guy's throwing a hundred and hitting his butt, and just tapped it out there to left. That's a everybody needed to do, but nobody else was doing. Well, and what Billy did nicely is he did it every at bat. He he didn't he didn't get on base in every at bat. He they were caught, but he did not look lost at the plate. He did not look like a one hundred hitter. Um, it was actually kind of the best thing to come out of that game was to walk out of there thinking maybe Billy Hamilton can can hit on the big league level or at least show enough plate discipline to get on base. And once Billy Hamilton's on base, as we know, a single second. Yeah. yeah. And there is just, I mean, his speed, holy crap. You watch it on TV and you're impressed, but seeing it in person, it's it's like he's the flash. Like, he makes Luis Robert look slow. It is really, really crazy how fast he is. 
And he looks, uh, he doesn't fill out his jersey, you know, he's, <laughs> he's like a pencil. Um, but it, it, it's got to all just be muscle because he flies. He's really fun to watch, to be honest. He's exciting. There was a, an interview and, and mom happened to be in the room with me at the time. They, they were doing an extended interview of spring training with uh, Jim Anderson, who'd come out of the game. And uh, somebody said, well, you the fast, who's you the fastest guy in the team? And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm the fastest." Said, yeah, I'm faster than Angle. I'm, I'm faster than Luis. And, and, and they said, "What about what about Billy?" He goes, "Oh no, 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 I'm not faster than Luis." I feel like Billy Hamilton. If you say you're faster than Billy Hamilton, no one will take you seriously anymore. Like if Tim Anderson said, "Oh, I'm faster than Billy Hamilton," we all would have been like, "Oh, Tim Anderson's lost it. That's not good." But yeah, okay. Was, Luis Robert getting well had a big homer on Tuesday night. Well, but he's, he's... First, first I want to throw out a fun, uh, fun geezer fact to look into because this happened in the game we were at, and I turned to Bill and I said, "If I can find, if there's anyone on Earth who can find out the answer to this, it's my dad. And if there's anyone on Earth who is willing to spend the time to find out this answer, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think." It was the, uh, must have been the, the third, maybe, maybe later in the game. But we were coming up to bat, and the first batter was Billy Hamilton, number zero. And the second batter was Nick Madrigal, number one. <laughs> and my question is, when was the last time in Major League Baseball an inning let off with number zero? And was followed by number one. Now, unfortunately, wow. Larry batted after that, and he's 28. So the, the next number was a two to start, but <laughs> we had that eight in there. So we can't really count that. And we'll obviously never have a number two on the White Sox uh, because of Nelly. Right. But um, I'm, I'm curious. So next time we come back here, I want to know when was the last time in Major League history wow. let off with number zero and then <laughs> followed with number one? I'm going to guess never, but not. <laughs> my my guess is never as well. Although I would think way back in the day, they didn't have the high jersey numbers, and you had a but lot. Did they of, have zeros? That's the question, and that's what I don't know. And I said, you know, I got a guy with some time on it. <laughs> I'll take a look. I don't know that I'll spend the whole week on it. But <laughs> I'll take well, a look. You'll have two very disappointed coworkers. Um, Meanwhile, on the hitting yeah. front, we we blast lefties as always. We just can't hit righties worth a damn, at least righty starters. Um, but some of the guys, I'm going to say, uh, Luis is uh, coming out of it. Uh, obviously, Jose has, has been doing well the past couple games. Moncada still struggling. Not that he doesn't get a hit now and then. He got a hit now and then last year, but he wasn't his normal self. I mean, I really worry about long haul or, or something else with him, or maybe just because he wasn't himself last year, he's got to get back in the groove. I don't know. I, I'm i not worried about Mankata. I'm not. Watching him play in person, he's he's just got to get back to it. And and I'm, I'm really not concerned that this is going to be something that's going to derail his career or anything like that. Oh, no. He is too good. He is too natural at the game of baseball for, for this to last a long period of time. Honestly, if I had to predict, I predict 
Moncada hits 300 this year. He he takes a little while to heat up, and that's what we're seeing right now. And I I do think he's going to bounce back just fine. I think you're a little premature on saying Luis is back. Luis yeah. is still a huge problem. And, you know, he's he obviously he, he had the home run and he had another hit, but he cannot hit a slider. He just can't. And from a righty. From a righty. And, you know, we were very lucky that Seattle over the last couple of days has said, well, then we won't even make you face one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really bad. And like seeing some of the strikeouts in Anaheim, I mean, come on. Some, a couple of those balls were halfway to first base. I mean, with, with, with counts where he had three balls. So you're talking about just whiffing at pitches that that would have put you on base. And with Luis Robert, often a walk is a double. So it is, it's bad. And, you know, in, until then, I think until they can get him to be a real first pitch threat, which he is not still, he still doesn't love to swing at the first pitch. He's going to have to swing at the first pitch because but then as soon as he does that, he'll start getting sliders on the first pitch. He has to hit it. He, he can't just swing at it. He's got to hit it because people are throwing it in there on the first pitch to him because they know that if they can get the first pitch, they can throw six straight sliders. And that's what he's getting. And once he gets that first pitch strike, if he hasn't hit it, he's in trouble. He's in big trouble from right-handed pitchers because they know. And I mean, that's what we saw in Anaheim. You saw them throw a fastball or a changeup right down the, the, you know, right in the middle of the strike zone and then six straight sliders. You didn't even have to be guessing what was coming. You knew what was coming. It was always going to be sliders. And until he can figure that out, he is going to be a real liability against right-handers. That being said, he is also so naturally gifted that I think he does figure this out. And, you know, they're going to be working on one thing with him for this whole season, which is hitting a slider off a right-handed pitcher. So if he's working really hard on that all the time, which I certainly believe he will be, I, I, I think he'll be fine. I also think Moncada will bounce back. I just, I don't see a world where we, we have Yon Moncada being a real problem for us uh, in the long term. Andrew Vaughn got his first hit Tuesday night. Uh, he's not been impressive at the plate. He's looked a little lost, I think, on a number of at-bats. To be fair, as someone who has big, wide eyes that are frequently always open, uh, <laughs> Andrew Vaughn always looks lost at all times. Uh, unfortunately, I think so far he actually has been lost at all times. Um, but, yeah, he got his first hit, uh, and that's huge. You know, that's, that's going to be really huge moving forward for him. Um, it, it took a long time to get that hit, longer than we expected. He does not feel ready to play Major League Baseball yet. He doesn't. And, and, and it's going to get interesting what, what they do. Now, you've got Leury is, is hitting 100. Uh, and he's usually a spring guy, so this is not a good sign with him. Yeah. And you think, and at the same time, of course, he's having to play short right now with Tim out, but that should be a very short-term problem. Um, at the same time, Madrigal defensively 
You talk about Vaughn looking lost at the plate. Madrigal just looks so lost defensively, and it's got to be in his head now. He's been playing so badly that it's got to be in his head. Oh, it's 100% in his head. I can tell you as a former second baseman, the second you make, not necessarily the first error, but the second, and even if it's not an error, when you start making these plays that are below what they should have been, when you're not... the double plays that aren't. When you're not turning double plays that should absolutely be big league double plays, he's 100% in his head at all times. You can one the strange things. One of the strange things I thought fundamentally, and maybe this is just in my head, but what I envision with some of these throwing errors, he's either has to act quickly or it's in his head that he has to act quickly because we've talked times before that he's not quite caught up with major league speed. So when he catches the ball where he's then got to throw to second and he's not close to the bag, he's not moving his feet. He's feeling that he has to throw immediately so that his left foot is not moving. And so that's really hard to throw like that and should only be done in an emergency. And he's doing it now just because he can't cope with the speed. I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a huge magical fan. I'm five, eight. Uh, and, and I've coached you, you know, I love speed and defense and, and everybody putting the bat on the ball instead of just dragging the bat back to the dugout after three pitches, love everything that should be about magical and was really hoping for him to be great. I don't know that he wouldn't be helped by going down to Charlotte for a while, but I don't know what you do when Leury can't hit Danny Mendick is your choice to come up. Yes, I know he was <laughs> somehow had a Golden Glove nomination last year, but that was just bizarre. I mean, there the lack of depth really is starting to show, and and I don't know what you do for a lot of positioning things when when Engel gets back. You send Vaughn down for to take some time. And Vaughn has never batted above double, single A until he, he started here. Yeah, because uh, yeah. he takes some time in Charlotte to get back in the groove rather than which would be the, your first thought is Hamilton. Uh, and it's, it's. Uh, no, I think, I think right now. Where's one play? We've got first baseman yeah. <laughs> already. That's, that's the thing. I, I think you keep Billy Hamilton right now and you send Vaughn down. And I think when you send him down, you split his time between left and first base, just in case, you know, we, we have to look that route at some point uh, with, with multiple outfielders, well, he's him. not going to DH if your mean is hitting 565. I, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> he definitely is not. I mean, I, I'm I'm in the camp of like, I, I can't believe your mean is still in the starting lineup. But as long as the dude's on base percentage is 600, how do you keep him out? Even LaRusa said he'd be, he was like, oh, I'll be booed in introductions if I don't start Mercedes, which I kind of wanted to say, you're probably going to be booed during introductions anyway. Um, oh, which, that just that quick. This is off. We should take a break. But the first thing was you were spared by going to that horrible game Sunday night. You were spared the ESPN broadcast. Oh, which man. Was as horrible as anything I've ever seen. A lot of the Sox fans are, are griping and comments and stuff. Oh, they're unfair to the Sox. They weren't unfair to the Sox. They were just stupid all the way around. Um, but the big thing with the Sox was every other than your mean, everything that they said about the Sox was La Russa. How great Larusa is! How brilliant Larusa! How the Sox fans loved it when they got Tony Larusa. Sox fans really, really, 
where have these people been? <laughs> it's crazy. The only thing that I thought was a decent comment the whole night, A-Rod mentioned how Dylan Cease looked so totally lacking in confidence, which he did, just mm-hmm. kind of wandering around the mound. And he said, when, when you think you think that's just him, he says, when batters see that, their eyes just light up. Yeah. And, and that was a very good comment, a good observation. The rest of it, oh, man, was it awful. They couldn't yeah. even get the cameras in the right place. I mean, uh, I was getting texts from all over the place, from, from Sox fans and non-Sox fans saying, what the heck is this ESPN broadcast? It's, it, was, it just sounded like it was awful, awful. Um, and speaking of La Russa, speaking of awful, La Russa has not done anything well that La Russa is supposed to do well thus far. I mean, the pitching change decisions have been just dreadful early on well, your, your Sunday night game what the heck why, we, we saved Liam Hendricks because he's the closer <laughs> I mean the closer doesn't matter in the extra innings anymore because you start with a guy on second <laughs> it's oh my gosh. how do you not settle down the ninth how do you not throw Liam Hendricks in the ninth I, I don't understand it you've been gifted this tie game that you have no business even being in, in competition for, and you don't throw the guy you're paying $15 million or whatever, it, it, it's insane to me. Why, why does Hendricks get it? He's only pitched once at that point in a, in a game where they were up. It, it makes no sense to me. I'm so over it. I, I hate the closer thing. It's going to cost us so much. If La Russa keeps doing this, I, but that's the story for another day. Let's take but a he break. Invented the closer. Let's take a break. Exactly. He invented them. So I guess he can do whatever. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and, and talk about our, our starting pitchers a little bit more because uh, there actually has been some, some good and interesting things happening. So uh, we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back on Sharing Socks. Uh, We dissected all of the offensive woes and many of the defensive woes. We've been hitting a lot of the woes, a few of the the positive things, but let's talk about pitching a little bit because uh, let's start with Carlos Rodon, um, which actually was a pretty good showing, a very, very hopeful sign. Actually, actually excellent. Uh, You know, if you – if you went by the spring statistics, well, it's called spring doesn't matter, especially for pitchers. If you did your pitching order out of spring, your pitching order would have been Rodon, Giolito, and 
uh, I don't know. I guess we have to have a number three. <laughs> and really, so far, and so far, I mean, one appearance for everybody, but but Lucas, uh, your pitching order would be Rodon, Giolito, and I, I guess we got to have a number three. Uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel, by the time anybody hears this, will have pitched again, and I hope he's facing Seattle. He should do much better. Lynn has not looked uh, his control has not been sharp. The Lynn, the Lynn deal is looking worse and worse by the day. I didn't look. Uh, Dunning was Wait. supposed to pitch Tuesday night. Did you look? Uh, Dunning, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Pitched great. <laughs> Five innings pitch, one earned. Jeez. Yeah, he looked great. He he looked like he could be Texas's next ace. He re- he really did. And I'm happy to see him do well because. Oh, he's a good kid. Yeah, great pitcher. He's becoming a great pitcher, and he seems like a really, really nice guy. Um, but yeah, that deal is looking—it's—it's it's what we all anticipated and feared. That's not to say Lance Lynn is going to be lousy all year. Lance Lynn could be solid the rest of the year, but Dane came out firing, and he looks sharp. He looked and it's six well- years—six years to one. Wow! Wow! That is. It's not the it's not the Fernando Tatis deal, but it is an ugly deal. It is an ugly, <laughs> ugly deal. Um, yeah, but Rodon is probably the outside of the Yermi Mercedes fun. Um, Rodon to me has been the the best thing we've seen, the best surprise we've seen. A starter for a starter. I, I think the best pitcher is Michael Kopech. And I've been a Kopech fan from way back, and I couldn't explain why. But when they had all the, we've got these great young pitchers that we picked up. Kopech was one I just picked out, and I said, that's the one that's going to be great. Yeah. And, of course, he had pitched. But, boy, he's looking sharp. And Crochet looks good. Yeah. Looks very good. So I think and after the, that, it's Jose Ruiz. But <laughs> I think a really nice thing that's come out of this year is uh, it, it is definitely looking like Kopech is going to be what we thought he was going to be, and Crochet is going to be what we thought he was going to be or better. And I'm not sure Crochet is going to be a starter. You know, I'm I'm not convinced of that yet. I I think he could be a great believer. Uh, But, you know, first of all, you had last season where he pitched six innings and then suddenly couldn't pitch in the the playoffs after throwing, I don't know, half a dozen pitches or so. He's got more control on his motion this year, which is good, which is excellent. Uh, But still, just when you watch him, you still go, boy, that guy's going to get hurt. If he pitches a lot, I, I don't know that he's got, you know, 180 innings in him, not this year, certainly, but even next year or the year after that thing, but boy, he's going to be a great reliever. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I feel like crochet will be most valuable, most valuable to us as sort of like an Andrew Miller or even a Josh Cater uh, type, type of arm where he just becomes the guy at the end of the game, whether it's the seventh and eighth or the ninth, uh, that hitters are just fearing that he comes into the game. Um, as you said, his his motion's getting better. It's only going to get better. And he's still going to be able to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. I think Crochet, I, I agree with you. I don't actually think Crochet is going to be a starter. And I don't think we should have him be a starter. Because that kind of thrower, it's going to be real tough to have a long career if you are trying to throw six innings. Yeah, and Chris Chris Sale did it for a number of years. So you can't say, oh, Chris Sale shouldn't have been a starter. He should have been a starter. But 
boy, having that luck one time around, <laughs> I don't know if you hit it again. And crochet is harder than sail. So it's, it's, he's, he's even one step further in the, he's almost in the Araldus Chapman category, which, you know, Chapman, I can't stand him. I hate the guy, but. As a human being, yeah. Can't, can't argue that, you know, the Cuban Missile has been, you know, a pretty great reliever throughout his career. I think that's what we're going to see from, from Crochet. I think Kopech is earning his spot in the starting rotation more and more each day. I bet he'll start a couple games before the season's over. Absolutely. Maybe go, maybe go five innings. A hundred percent. He will, he will absolutely start. I think we will see him start as early as July. Um, just because I don't know that the other five are going to hold up and you don't sit with a guy like Kopech in your bullpen if your starters aren't getting it done. Um, that being said, you know, we, we were talking about Dylan Cease. We were talking about how batters, you know, just see that lack of confidence and want to hit against it. Uh, he looked a lot better as the game went on. And I am going to stay on the Dylan Cease bandwagon. And I'm going to say that next time out, he's going to be great. I well, think- yeah, sometimes he is. I, 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 my feeling is if he's, if he's great one time out of three, we'll take it because that, I think that's what he's good for. I think he could even be better than that. But the, the, the big thing holding Dylan Cease back is not his pitching ability. The guy can pitch. It's confidence. It's confidence. You can see he's throwing with no confidence. He's throwing with major anxiety. And that's something you saw last year. You see it in his body language constantly. And if cats, can help him gain confidence and start the game with the confidence that he often hits around the third or fourth, then he's going to be good. Well, yeah, but he's still, even though it, the, the Dillon-Seas luck is famous, and he, even though he didn't give up more runs after the first, he was getting hit hard. I, I was following along on StatCast, and I mean, almost everything was over 100. Um until I think maybe the fourth, if I got the inning right, uh, he was pretty strong. But uh, when because he lacks both control and command, as they say, I mean, too many pitches are too hittable. Even even though he's throwing ninety nine miles an hour, uh, I think I do think that will change. Though I I'm I'm not writing off Dylan Cease yet. I actually think. I actually think we're going to have a pretty solid starter in Dylan Cease throughout this year. I do not think he's going to be the Cy Young candidate that uh, maybe someone on this podcast uh, jokingly said he could be earlier. That was me. Definitely not you. Um, but One I actually, the players said it, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually think he is – he could be one of the best number five starters in baseball by the end of the year. And I know that that is a loaded statement, but that, <laughs> but that still means something. You, if you're the number five starter, you still want to be the best number five starter in baseball. You, want, you don't want teams to be facing the number five thinking this is the game we win. You want them facing the number five thinking, oh, man, that's a pretty good number five. And I think that's where we're going to be with, with Cease. And I think Rodon might end up being feared 
by by a lot of opposing lineups. Health is always the question with Carlos, but maybe because he's had the Tommy John, you know, he's not putting strain at places X, Y, or Z on his arm, and uh, he'll his health will stay. Well, on that. I mean, he's he's the opposite where he's pitching with a lot of confidence, uh, and he is looking at least with his motion a little bit more like he won't get hurt. And that's knock on wood for many reasons. I hope Rodon doesn't get hurt. I, I really hope this guy can can stay healthy. He seems like a great guy. I thought his motion was is very much straight to the plate now, which is not ceases. I mean, that's one of ceases big problems. I mean, all pitchers fall off to the side because your momentum carries you. But he looks like he's falling off to the side before his momentum is carrying him there. It just yeah. just isn't in line. Yeah, and that's why you throw a, a lot more balls than strikes. You know, when you and as for Keuchel, uh, he looked really bad. Uh, but uh, I say by the time uh, this is even posted, he may have recovered and thrown a no hitter because Seattle can't hit anyway. Uh, Keuchel though is my number one concern. Keuchel's my number one concern, honestly, in the rotation. And that is just because he's older and last year felt kind of like a fluke to me. Well, yeah, and it was the worrisome part of last year. I mean, obviously, it was incredible. Again, pitching against very, very bad teams. Very bad. Very bad teams whose best hitters, uh, be it Christian Yelich or, 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 or Bryant and Rizzo, weren't hitting last year. Right. Uh, then at the end of the year, he got the back spasms. He came back. He was not effective. Uh, you know, injury, as you say, he's older. He's going to be more prone to injuries. He doesn't throw real hard, so he's not, uh, you know, yanking his body around every time he throws a pitch. But, yeah, I, I don't know that he's completely out of the woods yet. But I again, hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But people were very thrilled with Keiko last year, and I get that. But it did not feel like it was necessarily something we were going to see consistently. Um, I hope it is. I hope, you know, today, if he doesn't pitch well today, that's a problem because these Mariners are pretty stinky. Um, but hopefully he comes out and gives us a good outing. I mean, it's it's really strange right now. Like what you said earlier, it feels like Rodon is our real number two. Giolito, despite having given up some runs this year, still looks. Oh, no, he's, he, he's really your number one. I was kind of kidding about Rodon first and then Giolito. But, yeah, but uh, the rest. Uh, the thing I love about Giolito, too, right now, is Giolito does not look he does not look knocked off balance at all when people are getting on base and people are scoring runs. Yeah. He just looks like, all right, they got one. I'm an ace. It'll be fine. And, and that's and how has to throw. It's a total confidence look without a cocky look. Exactly. Because that can go over the top on the confidence side yeah. too, but it's not. I mean, he's no. just a solid guy. He's a, he's a very, very smart guy. And um, he's got it. I mean, he's just in control of his situation. Not yeah. just the ball, but the situation. He's, he's become such a smart pitcher, such a smart player. And that confidence is earned. It's not just because he can throw real hard and thinks he's great. He is becoming an elite, 
elite major league pitcher, even if he wasn't one before, which he was already headed there. But now he just looks even smarter, even sharper. Uh, I, I think he is going to have an outstanding season. I really do. Just the way he's carrying himself, uh, even after a big hit, giving up a run, there's no getting down. It is just on to the next guy. Let's do this. And that is what you need from your ace. Yeah, even when he's getting no defense. And, exactly. And he's not, he's not getting down when he's having bad defense behind him. And that is also huge. He's not, you know, throwing like, ugh, we should have gotten that. He is just saying, all right, now I'm going to pitch with guys on base. That's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to get him out. And it's also crucial for him to look like that in front of guys like Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon because that type of energy is contagious, just like we see it with Tim Anderson in the field, and you see all the other guys sort of catch on and start to get that energy. It's the same with pitchers. If your ace isn't out there throwing like he owns the game, you're three, four, and five, they're not going to see any reason to act like they could own the game. And the way Giolito's pitching right now, I think it will translate to the other guys. Uh, Rodon is already looking a lot like Giolito in the way he's carrying himself. And I think we're just going to see more of that as the season goes. I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, the pitching situation happening with the White Sox right now. Well, it should be solid. Uh, meanwhile, on the hitting front, Really haven't been hitting right-handers at all. Been crushing left-handers. That's the usual for us. Tim Anderson should be back, I think, for opening day, I hope. Um, I don't know what we're going to do at second base if uh, Edrigal doesn't catch on. Um, Leori's not really a very good choice over there either. Neither's Mendick, but we'll see. And by the time we do the show again, uh, we'll probably be finding out who disappears when Adam Engel comes back. I think you're right. I think we're going to know a lot more when we record next week. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, here's hoping when we meet up next week, we have a winning record. And uh, I, I certainly think we're trending in that direction. So, you know, being on the road against Seattle and then getting the Royals at home. That's nice. You better, you better make something of that is all I'm saying. You got to make something of that. Uh, despite how the Royals and Tigers started as the best teams in, in the American League Central, I think it's time to, to put them in their place and, and take charge a little bit. Uh, but that's all the time we have uh, for this uh, sort of extended episode for us as, as Sharon. Yeah, we are wordy. We, we had a lot to talk about today. Hope you had fun. We did. Any uh, final thoughts, Keezer? Have a good opening day at home. Yeah, have fun, everyone who listens, who's going to the game tomorrow. Be safe, have fun, no matter what. It is just so great to be back in a baseball stadium watching these guys play. And, I mean, I'm jealous. Anyone who gets to go to the Yerminator's home opener uh, is is in for a real treat. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Sharing Socks.